Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is that a recently published 18-month-long study concluded that power frequency, electromagnetic frequencies actually did promote cancer in animals, but that it mattered whether or not the animals were also exposed to certain chemicals. In other words, the chemicals themselves didn't cause it, and the EMFs themselves didn't cause it, but the combination did cause it in this one study. This is in Spain. A scientist called Elizabeth Cardis had an international team where they looked at humans, at workers exposed to chemicals and ELFs together. And now an Italian team has found essentially the same effect in animals exposed to ionizing radiation and ELF EMFs at the same time. And you can read more about this kind of stuff in the Ramazzini experiment on microwavenews.com. And we'll, of course, link to that in the transcript of the show notes for the show. So just head on over to bulletproofexact.com and you can download all this and click on it and all that if, if that's something you're interested in. There's definitely more than a few studies uh, and some science books going back to the early 90s talking about this problem and all of the research in it. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. 
Today's guest is Daniel DeBone, who's the CEO of Defender Shield. Defender Shield is a company that has created effective electromagnetic radiation or EMF protection solutions. And most Bulletproof employees now have a Defender, a Defender pad, which goes underneath your laptop to keep it from, how do I say this delicately, from frying your balls. Was that delicate enough, Daniel? Very delicate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Daniel's a leader in shielding electronic emissions and protecting our bodies from this kind of, of radiation, which uh, obviously, I would say, there's no evidence that has benefit for us, and there's pretty good evidence that it causes harm, and in fact, some emerging science about how it works. But Daniel's got a really interesting background, which is why I brought him on the show. Aside from what he's doing now, he started his career at Bell Labs, which you may have also heard of throughout your life as AT&T Bell Laboratories or Bell Telephone Laboratories. This is a research and scientific development company that started in the late 19th century, and it was called the Volta Laboratory and Bureau, and it was created by the guy who invented telephones. And researchers working there developed a few things you might have heard of, like radio astronomy, oh, the transistor, which allows this conversation to happen, the laser, which is, well, something I shine into my brain to make it smarter, the CCD, which is actually how the cameras we're using are, are connected, information theory, which is probably how everything works, the operating systems like Unix and the programming language C, C++, and one called S that really no one uses anyway. Uh, on top of that, we've got eight Nobel Prizes awarded for people there. In other words, like this is kind of a legitimate R&D thing. And what Daniel did there is he's a, a mechanical engineer by training, but he ran the electrical engineering standards division. So this is a, a real scientist who spent uh, his career working with electronics and figured out there's something to pay attention to here. And Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks an awful lot for inviting me, Dave. I really appreciate the opportunity you've given me to chat with your audience. So thank you. I, I think uh, we're going to have a fun conversation because you're, you're an interesting guy. And, and I find that people have spent their whole career in something and then realize, oh, wait, maybe, maybe what I did was really good, but maybe there were other, other downsides to it that I didn't know about. Uh, that, that becomes interesting. Uh, an example there. One of the guys on the Bulletproof team uh, created the Cranberry Bliss Bar at Starbucks. And uh, now he's, he's paying for his sins by, by working with a gluten-free diet. See? So the sort of thing happens. You, you go one direction, you go the other. So <laughs> what, just kinda, you obviously believe that, that electronics or electronic uh, fields can be a health risk or you wouldn't have started your company. But what led you to that conclusion that it's, it's kind of hard to do that? It, we have a great story about that, actually. Um, but before I tell you about that, I'll give you a little bit of history so you can see how we got one place to the next. Yeah. Uh, it, it turns out that um, uh, at divestiture, I was in the development laboratories um, and um, we were developing digital terminal systems, very, very complex communication systems. And then there was divestiture that occurred. And all of a sudden, we had to develop standards and we had to make sure everyone who built equipment, would meet those standards. Uh, Divestor, for people listening, uh, back when the Bell Labs were all basically government-affiliated or controlled monopolies, I forget which one, um, when there was a, a decision that you had to sell things off and become more competitive, that was the divestiture time. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. We had to divest the assets and break them out into separate entities for business. And so what happened is I ended up going from the development laboratories and then beginning to head up the standards work 
and the testing for electronic systems to make sure everyone's building the products that should be uh, deployed in the, in the telephone networks. So for years and years and years, that was my business. Um, and, and so um, ultimately, I had a, a lot of, lot of background in very, very complex protocol, very, very complex technologies. And, um, and, and sort of my, I went into the offices space and ultimately I was sort of retired fairly early. Well, a couple of years ago, my, my sons are at home and they have their laptop in their lap. My wife says to them, I want grandchildren. Now, my wife didn't know why she said grandchildren, but she said, I want grandchildren. So instantly I realized there's a zero to 10 gigahertz emissions coming out of that laptop. And it's very, very close to very, very sensitive parts of the body. No problem. Let's go find something to protect uh, the, the body. And so uh, we went out and, and we couldn't find one technology that actually solved the engineering problem, which is you got to shield zero to 10 gigahertz. So I said, let's go build some. We started building them and, and then all of a sudden our neighbors wanted them and, and then their neighbors wanted them. And long story short, three years later, we sit there with a full portfolio of products all about protecting the full spectrum of emissions that are coming off of electronics today. So it's a great story. It was, it was created out of necessity. It, it, in fact, uh, hey, Brock, can, is there a Defender Shield sitting over there uh, next to the... I, I realize uh, people who are watching our YouTube channel, uh, you, should, uh, you should check it out. I'll, I'll show you what one of the, these things works. This is what I gave to all the Bulletproof employees. You guys were kind enough to help us get these printed. It's just like a, looks like a piece of, of plastic, but it's a little bit flexible. This is not one that I sell. This, is, this was a basic Christmas bonus gift for all the Bulletproof employees because I, I take care of my people, including their uh, fertility organs. And you, you basically set it on your lap, and then the emanations from the laptop aren't going to go down where you want it to go. It, it's a simple idea, and it's one that's incredibly worth your time and attention unless you just believe that this doesn't have an effect, right? Like, like oh, it, it's all a hoax. And at, at that point, we need to look at some of the, the evidence. Uh, yeah, well, actually, D Dave, one of the things about that specifically, one of the reasons why I, I, we quickly went after it is, after just a few hours, the sperm count of the male yes. is immobile, 25% of it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it actually stops operating. But oftentimes not understood is it's also a problem for females. Something like 2% yes. of the women who uses this get, get a tumor related to it. And a portion of that percentage becomes cancerous. So there is clear evidence that substantiates the claim that there could be serious dangers with this stuff. But, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned something about Bell Labs. Actually, embedded in that product is something that came out of Bell Labs. When they put the terrestrial <laughs> network to, not, not terrestrial, but the underwater uh, cabling, the cables. Yeah. Th th there was jacketing that they had to put around it to prevent the fish from yes, getting... Yes, I, I remember that. We're yeah, well, that's but... what we use. <laughs> We actually use some of that for the extreme low frequency emissions at the very low end, believe it well, or not. So back when that was a problem, I, I was at Exodus Communications. This is the first co-location company, Google's first servers when our buildings. Uh -huh. Yeah, I remember. And we were relying on the very first uh, fiber optic transatlantic cables, and some of them were messed up by fish 
uh, as I recall, mostly though it was trawling ocean things. But yeah. th- this is too funny. So you actually use that that, that cabling. The material. same technology, <clears throat> literally. For we, we actually, there's multiple emissions that come from a, a, a tablet, a, a cell phone. Uh, there are RF signals with the radio frequency signals, which are higher than the extremely low frequency emissions, which are up below 300 hertz. And the only way you can eliminate that emission is by refracting the signal. And that's literally what we do. We refract the signal as it penetrates that, that oh. uh, materials. So that, that then prevents the, the sperm from being exposed. Right. Literally. And, and literally. there's some interesting, really interesting biochemical things that we're starting to understand now. Yeah. Your mitochondria, the power plants in the cell, they're superconducting. And some of the other materials in the body are too. Uh, some, in fact, all of our nerves apparently have some superconductive properties. And what, what's happening is that when you use these, uh, when you're around these frequencies, it reduces your mitochondrial function. And right. when you look at what sperm do, these are some of the most athletic molecules in your entire body. They have the most need for mitochondria. So they're little rocket ships, basically, and their job is to get there as fast as possible to that egg. And if there is even a small decline in mitochondrial function, some of them aren't going to get there. And what we're seeing is 25%. Then we have Otto Warburg, who is one of the the big researchers theorizing about what's going on with cancer, and he's looking at mitochondrial effects uh, as a root cause of cancer. You get broken mitochondria, you get cancer. And... I'm particularly concerned. My first book was around fertility, and it's called The Better Baby Book. Wiley published it. And I was like, look, there's no, there's pretty clear evidence. You don't want to put your cell phone in your front pocket. You don't want to put your laptop right over your reproductive right. organs. But what I didn't put in that book is that a woman has many, many eggs, and something decides which egg is going to be the one that matures and, it, and is, is basically the, the one that may be fertilized. And it's the environment around that egg that does it. And if you damage the mitochondria or at least inhibit their function, who knows if the right egg is going to come out based on the environment that you're in. So there's all these like subtle things that are field-based, and I think this is terribly important. Yeah. Um, let's chat a little bit about that. There are some experts that believe that under exposure of emissions, the cell will basically stop functioning to some extent and not share the proteins between the, the cells. So they get sickened. Some argue that that's the hyper-electro-hypersensitivity um, um, kind of symptoms are related to that weakened cell. Others suggest that you have a weakened cell uh, which is uh, penetrated by the uh, calcium uh, channel, um, which is standard in the bottom, as you know. Calcium and influence, right. Yeah, and then and then there's a buildup of uh, nitrites in within the cell, and that that converts to DNA damage that that mutates the cell. So there's all these arguments. Some of these f- physicians for the for the womb say, "What happens if you have a DNA cell within the womb?" Well, it gets transported to the next generation. And so some argue mitochondrial DNA, right? Mitochondrial DNA ends up it stays around forever with more defects. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so this this some some argue it's a huge problem, but of course we don't know because we're not there yet. Well, the the idea behind biohacking, the the core uh, tenet that that supports all of my research, 
and all the writing that I do is that like you change the environment outside yourself and inside yourself so you have control of your biology. And my very first book was like, hey, here's what people are doing to systematically make our species weaker generation over right. generation. And now that we know we can do that, here's what we have. There's the best evidence for what you can do to make people yeah. stronger and specifically your own kids generation yeah. after generation. And one thing is in the months leading up to getting pregnant and during pregnancy, like right. limit electromagnetic frequencies. Like, like you're certainly not going to hurt yourself by doing that. You might not hurt, you might not help yourself or your baby, but I think you will. And like, there's enough evidence that this is really worth paying attention to. I don't know if you know, Cindy Sage, um, she's out I of don't. California. Uh, she's actually, she's one of, she is the principal editor of bio initiatives. You may have heard of that. Bio yeah, initiatives. Bio-initiatives it's right. just a wonderful group that is, brought together all of their um, uh, intellectual uh, uh, knowledge to try to persuade the industries of the dangers related to emissions. But Cindy wrote in in 2007 that a miscarriage is is four times likely if it's an exposure of uh, 16 milligauss, which is extremely low frequency emissions measurements. Now, that's not a lot of stuff touching the body, but she concluded, based on her studies, that it was four times more likely that there'd be wow. a miscarriage. It's, it's that, in her view, that, that's serious. Do others believe that? Maybe not. But certainly she found evidence to believe that. So there are a ton of naysayers out there. And actually, yeah. I don't even know that that's true. I, I think there's a 2 to 5% uh, like psychologically damaged trolls out there who are very noisy uh, and just you know, love, to, love to enter debate because it makes them feel like better people. Um, however, there are a few credible scientists who say, look, this, there, there is no evidence. But the way they do that is usually just by ignoring most evidence and saying yeah. there is no evidence. But when you look at... Uh, when you look at some of the studies that have come out as as far back as Robert O. Becker and and people like that, or Beck Becker, electromagnetism in life, like it's very clear we're electromagnetic creatures, we're right. chemical creatures, uh, we're we're both, and it and neither one wins. It, it turns out that with um, the emissions exposures we have, that we are learning more and more and more. There's clearly yeah. more and more evidence profound more and more evidence. But to get to the point you were making before, it turns out that, um, I'll go back to my labs days, I, I predicted the failure of systems out in the field. And what I would do is I would then test that theory. And so I would do my probability and statistics, and I would say, okay, I need a sample size of 11,000, and then I'll have a plus or minus five uh, level of accuracy in what I produce. So when I talk about this kind of stuff, I talk about statistics are just not fair because we can't take 11,000 children, put them in a room and see who dies. The statistics are not substantive enough to prove without a shadow of a doubt that there's a problem. So we have these small studies, but collectively these studies are becoming more and more significant. When I started doing this work, I found the industry fairly immature in understanding it, particularly as it went to the public. I I just didn't think there was a real understanding on many people's part. And I would never, ever say there's some serious concerns with these kinds of things. I wouldn't say it. 
It was just not in our DNA. But I can tell you without any doubt whatsoever, with all this conclusive evidence that I've been able to find, there's no question that there's impacts to the cell, and in some cases, very extreme. There's a couple incidences uh, throughout my career that come to mind when we talk about this. Uh, one of them happened in, in Mountain View, California, probably 10 years ago. Uh, I sat down uh, over coffee at a place called uh, Red Rock Coffee that, that's still there. Uh, I used to go there to, to, to try and get like uh, beans that, that, would, that would make me feel good. They, they had a good selection of, of high-quality coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes I could drink coffee there and be like, yeah, I feel amazing. And I met with this guy who had the very first patent for Wi-Fi, the first 80211 uh, mm-hmm. patent. And he had made his money, and I'm forgetting his name right now, and, and he basically said, check this out. And he opened up his laptop, and he was using the million-dollar uh, test equipment they used to, to visualize fields yes, so yes. they could see what was happening. Yes, and yes. he turned it around and aimed it at human beings. And he's yes. like, look at all the data that's coming off a human being when you just look right. with enough resolution. He's yeah. like, I can already predict people with certain conditions right. just based on this stuff. Okay, this guy had no reason to do this. He wasn't trying to make money. He already had money. He was right. just like, I'm a curious engineer, you know, right. with kind of crazy hair. And, you know, I, I'm just doing this because it's fun. And I'm like, okay, that gets my attention uh, because he's like you, a scientist looking at, at actually more an in, in engineer and scientist, but looking at the data. And uh, like, like that, that's really cool. And then just four months ago, uh, maybe three months ago, I was with Peter Diamandis, uh, who wrote yep. one of the quotes on the, the book for the Bulletproof, uh, the Bulletproof Diet. He has on stage CTOs from most of the major virtual reality companies. And I had a chance to ask these guys in, a, in the nicest professional way, like, hey, whose job is it to make sure that you're not frying our brains when you stick a cell phone, in, especially with blue light, going into our eyes, affecting 25% of our brain with optical right. processing, like, whose job is it to make sure that you're not screwing us up biologically? And they all looked at each other, and they basically said, not ours. Right? Right. And there is no government body that protects us from that kind of stuff. So, like, like we're doing amazing, world-changing things with technology that I right. support, but no one considers the downside until we've deployed you know, a billion Internet of Things everywhere, and we're cooking ourselves all the time. So, Dave, the standard for a, a cell phone, yep. it was created about 25 years ago. Because we knew so much back then. Well, listen, yeah, that's exactly right. It's an, it, uh, a cell phone connection is a radio frequency connection, somewhere around 900 to uh, 10, uh, 8 gigahertz, somewhere in that, uh, that range. By the way, your microwave oven is 2.4 gigahertz. It's the same thing, except it yep. has more intensity. Why is that important? Well, when you put a piece of meat into a microwave, what happens? The cells oscillate, and it cooks the meat. Well, guess what? That's what happens to your head with a cell phone. It is identical signal. Well, so I have a question about that, though. Like, like there's lots of studies I've seen that, that say that the heating effect probably isn't the issue. It's not. Okay. That's, that's the point. When they established the standard, oh, they it was the it thermal was the impact. Okay. Right. It was the thermal, not the biological. Uh, okay. And of course, when that man 30 years ago, that six-foot male that they did the test on to do the establishment, Remember, he didn't have many friends who had cell phones, right? So the, <laughs> the, the, the period of time which they tested was not very long. The reality is kids, kids six yeah. years old are using cell phones. 
that signal goes completely through the head, thermally increasing it by no more than two degrees, supposedly based on the standard, and we have no idea about the biological impact. So, so let's, let's zoom in on that a little bit more because the assumption, and all of the skeptics out there say, the only, this is an assumption that is not proven and not even tested well. It, right. They say the effect is, is a, a thermal, it's a heating effect. And right. since it doesn't heat the head enough to matter, therefore there is no effect. Okay, that is a logical fallacy because the yes. core assumption is flawed. And, and what you and I are talking about is that the signal from these things disrupts biological activity, not right. because it makes it hotter, but because it affects the very mechanisms of the cells themselves. And this is, every skeptic out there falls on that same old assumption. And what you're saying is that the heating assumption itself is also flawed because in kids, they do get a hotter brain. Right. Yeah, and, no question about it. And, and by the way, that's, that signal 25, 30 years ago when the FCC established the 1.6 volt um, watts per meter squared standard, that's, that signal was um, um, the maximum for occasional use. Everyone's using it more and more and more. And it was an analog signal. You would know what an analog <laughs> signal is, yeah. right? An analog signal is a constant load. Mm -hmm. Today's signals are digital signals. They're pulsing loads. So if you were to come to my laboratory 20 years ago, and you said, test my system because I want to see what it does. Because I think it's exactly the same thing if it's analog or digital. I'd kick you out of my lab. It's, they're just different animals, they're, they're right? totally different animals. And the way I describe it is simple. Okay. You take a piece of, uh, you take a metal rod and you stick that metal rod on a piece of concrete. Put 10,000 pound load on it. That concrete will not break. If you take that same rod, 10,000 load, remove the load, put the load back on, remove the load, put the load back on, the concrete breaks. Why? It's a different load. <laughs> it's, it's a fundamentally different yeah. load. And that different load has an effect on the cell. And it may be the same, but it may not be. But you can't claim it's the same without the study. This is so there. funny. Uh, for, for five years for the University of California, I ran their web and internet engineering program. So I taught, I taught how this kind of stuff works, usually a couple levels up, but I, I did the full OSI stack. All the engineers yeah, have right, to know right, what yeah. that means, right? I do. In fact, in fact Bell Labs, as I recall, helped yeah. to define OSI. You might have done some of that work. Yeah, we Thank mostly you, worked at the third, but then we pushed up, right? Okay, there you go. So, so now we totally got to geek out on that. And I was like, <laughs> how would I explain the difference between analog and digital? And I was thinking, all right, if you were to, to push against a pane of glass and just and push a little bit and then yeah. but you're always pushing just slight differences, right? Okay, the glass probably won't break. But if right. you pound 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 right. pound, same it's going to break. It's and same difference. It's it was funny you, you came up with the jackhammer analogy, but it's uh, it's that kind of thinking. This is all right. Everything in nature is analog, and what that means is that the waves move slowly, and right. most of our digital technologies are smack smack smack. They're either on right. or off, and in right. life. We get warm, then cool, then warm, then cool. And that difference, it actually matters. And people it who does. say it doesn't matter, they're just assuming something so they can justify whatever they want. you got to prove your assumptions to be a real scientist. So, so Dave, if you lived in Europe, the, the signal from your cell phone would be half the energy level as the U.S. Half. I didn't know that there was a difference in standards there. 
Absolutely. And the way they make it different is they define the area of the space that heats up. They double the size. So to be able to achieve that, they have to cut half the load of the and, energy level. And so why did the European government do this? That's an interesting question. Uh, my, my guess is they seem to have a better, more mature understanding of the technologies <laughs> that are evolving. And they do something about it. You go to Europe, uh, you know, we were talking about extremely low frequency emissions. In, in Sweden, if it's more than four milligauss, it's unacceptable. Well, your laptop generates, you know, your tablet generates 10 milligauss, 10 milligauss, and you put it on your lap. It's three times what Sweden would accept. Wow. It's, so if it, I buy a Swedish laptop, is it going it's to... Different. Yeah, the, 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 the standards for emissions from, from those technologies there are different than here. So that's an interesting strategy. Buy a European laptop, even if it has a weird keyboard, you could probably adjust it to the American keyboard. It may be. <laughs> so so th- this brings up a broader issue, and maybe one we won't, we won't get too into on this, but one of the things that pisses me off about coffee, America has no standards for a mitochondrial toxin <laughs> called right. ochratoxin A. So all the stuff that's illegal to sell in Europe, they're like, we're not drinking that swill. Yeah, and then they yeah. send it over to the U.S., and like I'm lobbying for us to have the same level as like Japan, China, China, yeah. for God's sake, has coffee standards and the U.S. doesn't. It's right. the same thing with electronics. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, we it's... deserve the same kind of treatment as other countries. And let me tell you, precaution is a really good thing to do when you're dealing with your babies, right? Like, right. like, like this is our lives and the next generation. Like, you don't mess around with that stuff. Right. Like, I mean, oh, hold on. Unless it makes money, in which case, just go for it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's... It, um... The way we look at it is we're not victims. We, we yeah. can't change our environment around us, but we can change how we deal with the technology in our space. I want to go back to something, though, that we were talking about before that I, I think is important to note. How come, it's not, um, how come it's not common knowledge that we have exposures unlike anything we've seen in our lives? Our, our children's lives will see different. Our lives were different. You know, why don't we know more? I often cite the, uh, the cigarette industry. If you, if you look at the cigarette industry uh, 40 years ago, I'm older than you, so I smoked cigarettes at 12 years old. Why? Because I was a big guy, nothing wrong with it. There's nothing, nothing going to bother me and my health about it. It was clearly at that time uh, not a problem. Right. Yet. At that time, science knew it was a problem. So what happened? In fact, I still remember 1978, the, the, the chairman of, of Philip Morris was asked by a group of physicians in, in England, uh, will smoking affect a, a, a woman when she's pregnant? And he said, no, no, absolutely not. It won't. But, <laughs> but the baby may be smaller. What what babe, what mother wouldn't want a smaller baby? That was the mentality at that time in 1978. Oh, because they hurt less coming out, basically? <laughs> right, Good that's God. what his point was. And I'm, I, I, it was bizarre that that, that, that that was an acceptable argument in 1978. And so... Yeah, I, was, I was six years old then, my God. Right. <laughs> and so if you think about it, what changed that world? Well, well, well it was the courts. It wasn't the science. Yeah. Science already knew it. Yeah. It was the courts that changed the view of the public knowledge on the technology of the cigarette smoking and it's linked to cancer. 
I, I think that's what's going on here. One, one of my great hopes is that by, by interviewing you and, and by talking about these things in an open manner, and, and that we can, we can change things because I have a, a whole bevy of electromagnetic devices that increase mitochondrial function, that right. make people stronger. Yes. And I am a thousand percent convinced, that's a very scientific measure, you know, a thousand percent, <laughs> but, but I, I, I'm very convinced <laughs> that we can design lighting systems, including LED lighting systems, uh, that that don't mess up our brain. In fact, I think we can make wireless, uh, like Wi-Fi routers, that make humans stronger and healthier. If you acknowledge there's an effect, then you can attenuate the fields, and suddenly, like we're walking around feeling great. But the amount that the trillions of dollars that are to be made when we acknowledge the problems that we're causing, what we do now, and then when we re-engineer and redeploy. Like if I was sitting there at wherever Bell Labs is now or Samsung or somewhere else, I'd be like, all right, guys, there's an issue here. Why don't we right. make the world's first healthy Wi-Fi that doesn't right. mess people up or makes them stronger? They're going to dominate the industry. I, I guarantee it. It's going to take 20 more years. if we Dave, in, in the laboratories right now, they've got optical yeah. uh, interconnection uh, yeah. with Wi-Fi. It's a carrier. Mm-hmm. The carrier is not an RF signal. It's an optical signal. Right. It's a lighting signal that we can't yeah. see. There are questions, though, because our cells are sensitive to light frequencies we don't see as well. And right. I, I've been looking at some of that stuff. It's probably better than EMFs, but I think it might really trash our, our eyes and some of our other cells. Like, yeah, like that's light what's coming cell out. Membrane stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, with the blue light. You made a reference to the blue yeah. light. That's more and more of a challenge um, because of the technologies we're using, people using displays and so on. Uh, but who knows, maybe some of the frequencies, I know ultraviolet and infrared both have cellular and mitochondrial effects. So it's like, man, we got to fork something out. But who knows, maybe maybe pulsing this stuff, uh, the EMFs, isn't a bad thing if we go back to an analog signal, right? Right. Like there, there are ways, or maybe oh, there are Oh, that's ways. right. There's yeah. no question about it. Um, that was more safe. Um, and it wasn't threatening as threatening to the body. And also, which is true as well, is um, the signal today um, can be half the signal that it was 10 years ago. Why? There's cell towers everywhere. Why do you really need all these um, um, strong signals coming out of technology today? That's true. So let's talk about that, because there are three ways you can protect yourself against the electromagnetic radiation. Like, like what are they? What, if someone's concerned about this, what, what are the three things? That's a great question. The, 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 the danger of electromagnetic radiation, there's two forms of electromagnetic radiation you got to worry yeah. about. You got to worry about the stuff that's really close to you. And then you got to worry about the stuff surrounding you. The stuff that's really close to you, um, um, like a cell phone. A cell phone, by the way, admits a, an RF signal for the tower, a Wi Fi signal for the router, a Bluetooth signal for connecting in your car, the uh, voice signaling used for communication in the car. There's three signals coming out of that. So one of the very first things you typically should do is reduce the number of signals you're being transmitted by the stuff that's close to you. As simple as that. Turn off the Bluetooth if you're not using it. Turn off the Wi-Fi if you're not using it. That's one simple thing you can do. Another is, um, do you know that, and you would understand this, if it's a foot away, it's a logarithmic reduction 
one foot, 80% of the danger is gone. Yep. So, so uh, what we're used to as human beings, we're used to thinking that, okay, if it's one inch away, that's okay. If it's two inches away, it's, it's just going to be twice the difference, but it's not. It goes up way more rapidly. So even just a couple inches is way better than, than one inch. Right. Absolutely. 12 inches is 80% dangerous gone. A four foot, 98% is gone. But, but the cell towers are a mile away from me now, right? So right. I don't have to worry about them? You don't worry about those. No. Generally okay. speaking, you don't worry about the the stuff that's surrounding you um, that's not in your space. Now, now I, I said that the, the other thing is the, law, the, the farther away, and, and this is the part that I find quite disturbing, is the environment in a school. Oh, God, yeah. Where, where we have all these electronics now being used by our kids. First of all, we don't know the impact the child, but we do know that the penetration of those signals go far beyond what they go in an adult male or adult female. It penetrates the bones to, because of the composition of the body at, at the younger ages is more susceptible to the emissions. Um, and now what we're doing is we're creating an environment in which we have potentially one device generating three to four emissions times the number of devices in the room plus the equipment that's receiving and transmitting. So what kind of environment is that? Well, I like to create an analogy for that where, am I worried about one bee in a room? Am I concerned that that bee is gonna bother me and hurt me and, and destroy me ultimately? No. Am I worried about a thousand bees in a room? You bet. And yep. that's the environment that you can find yourself in, public environments where you have all these transmitters around you. The signal level of those environments are a third of the standard level. In other words, it's not minuscule. It's a lot for an environment like that. And it's low energy over very long periods of time. What's the impact of that? I don't know. Yeah, I, I have similar concerns. and. I go to New York or, or LA and you go to a hotel and, and you turn on your laptop or your phone and you see like 85 wireless signals, like right. from routers. Right. And right. I'm not sure that my cells are, are prepared biologically, right. evolutionarily for that environment. I'm also not sure that it's causing harm, but I do know that if you have a bunch of that stuff at the head of your bed, your, yes. your sleep quality will go down. And I've had clients, you're like, hey, move your bed and then they can sleep, or turn off your Wi-Fi, and then you sleep. But where I am, Absolutely. we have no Wi-Fi signals uh, at all. And then I turn on Wi-Fi during the day when I need it, and then at night we have a switch that turns off the Wi-Fi, and we sleep pretty well, but I'm on an organic farm. Most people aren't going to do that. What would you do if, if you lived, say, in a high-rise in New York, and you're just, like, there's a Wi-Fi in every apartment around you. You've got your own. You've got your cell phone on, and you know, there's an antenna on top of your building. So you're in a, in a chaotic EMF environment. What, what are your options? There are not many. Um, that's one of those environments that uh, we, we, can't, we can help people by describing actions they can take, where they put their routers, when they turn it on, when they turn it off, uh, not putting it in the bedroom. The worst place you can put electronics is in a bedroom because it's long durations of exposure. Um, and so you, you work those issues. Uh, in extreme cases, people uh, buy these... Um, electromagnetic uh, radiation shields that they put around their, 
their beds. Um, some put uh, grounding uh, pads. I don't believe in grounding pads, but they, they, they use grounding pads. So there's some things that uh, that they can do. Why do you not believe in grounding pads? I'd love to hear your theory on that. I've used one when it seems to help my sleep and my jet lag quite a lot. Here, here, here you go. You have put your cell phone on your desk and put your grounding pad uh, uh, three foot away. Uh, and so um, if you're not, and, and you're not on the grounding pad, and in fact, even if you were on the grounding pad and you didn't, and you didn't have socks and shoes on and you had your feet grounded to the pad, what's the problem? An RF signal is omnidirectional. It goes in all directions. It doesn't go to that ground pad. So it, it's in the room. And RF is attracted to a grounding pad if it's done right, if it's done ground to ground. But it still it permeates the air as it passes through towards the ground. So if you're looking to do grounding because you're using a lot of electronics, you're sort of, there's maybe some benefit, but there's not significant benefit because those transmitters are constant. Yeah, if, if you're wearing shoes and socks, it's not going to work. I mean, you right, because you're connection. not grounded. But I, what I do is I have a, either a grounding sheet on the bed, so I'm naked when I'm on it, or uh, when I travel lately, I've been using a pillowcase because it's less weight to travel with. So then my, my body is grounded, and certainly for jet lag, I... I have no yeah. doubt that that works. Like that is a very obvious feeling, but whether that's going to protect me from EMFs, I don't really know, to be honest. But I, I, I do know that I, I feel better when I use it. Yeah. Well, well, it turns out that um, the extremely low frequency stuff, and we've referred to this a couple of times. Extremely low frequency is anything under three hundred hertz, anything b- below, and the ground ground is 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 like three hertz AC, a DC, mm-hmm. excuse me. Uh, so anything up to three hundred hertz is um, what. Uh, extremely low frequency emissions are. Extremely low frequency emissions will not be grounded by a pad. It just won't. Yep. RF signal, on the other hand, will. And and the way you know that, Dave, is if, if you had an old black and white television and, and you had an antenna, gravity ears antenna, and you put a little aluminum on the edge, yep. you, you got the signal a little better. Why? Because the aluminum attracted the signal. And that's what a grounding pad does. It, it else helps attract the the emissions. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, now, is, is the antenna on a TV like that, is it grounded? And they're grounded. They're, 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 they're floating ground. They're, they're floating ground. I, on I wonder why it helps with jet lag. Uh, and there's a bunch of theories in, in the book about that. Is the book whose name I forget, but uh, Frank Sinatra looked at inflammation and dropping a static charge that builds up. And it, it may simply just not be a shielding effect whatsoever, but I think there is a, a, a change in voltage on the body that comes from using it. That's, well, this is what I can tell you. Um, yeah. a, a, a extremely low frequency, uh, excuse me, electromagnetic radiation, everyone feels it differently. Mm-hmm. And the more uh, ex- exposed you are over time, the more you may have a developing a reaction to that. And that's called electro hyper, electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Um, and so for what I know for sure is even a very, very little change in that field, that grounding field, for example, makes a big difference. So although I'm not a strong proponent, if you are electric, if you are sensitive to electric fields, I know for sure that you will benefit from those kinds of things because that slight change is enough to make you feel more comfortable. 
Um, well, I, I don't know that I'm sensitive to electromagnetic fields. I, I do wonder what I did to myself back in the early days of cell phones, not the briefcase size ones, but you know, the flip phone. Right. Things. I used to drive for about two to three hours a day on the phone constantly with it by uh-huh. my head. So I, I, I have lots of exposure to that. And we'll, we'll see. I, I, this half of my brain keeps getting bigger. Just kidding. <laughs> So let, let's talk, uh, uh, we're running up on the end of the show, and I realized I didn't ask you some of the questions I wanted. Would you be concerned if you live near uh, high-voltage power lines? Extremely low-frequency emissions, 60 hertz. Yeah. That's what okay. that is. I would never. The energy levels of that, they, they, those, they can be as high as 10,000-volt lines. They generate a significant energy, uh, which if you're, you have to be at least 200 yards or more away from those signals for it not to impact you. If you believe that uh, that these don't do anything, one of my favorite st- uh, favorite stories ever was uh, this, this farmer, uh, a power company came and they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to just run our high voltage power lines right through your farmland. He's like, what the hell? I, I don't want to do this. Like, this, this isn't healthy. And like, nope, uh, we're going to use eminent domain. We're going to do it. So they did. And his response, which was brilliant, was to to set up uh, some equipment that used the field generated by those power lines to generate his own power. <laughs> yeah, right? they're, it, that, they're that strong. Absolutely. Yeah, so they're strong <laughs> enough that he was powering his entire farm with basically the field from these things and then selling power back to the utility that he was basically stealing just by going into the field they put on his property that that isn't supposed to have any effect. And eventually they shut him down because he was reducing the amount of electricity through the line. But he's like, tell me your field doesn't do anything. I just powered my farm off of it. So like, I I wouldn't live, in fact, some of the houses we looked at buying here on Vancouver Island, I'm like, yep, too close to a power substation. I just don't want my kids to be bathed in ELF. And how many schools and playgrounds are right next to those? Quite a lot. And and with kids, like you don't mess around with kids. Yeah. By the way, you know, you you, you triggered in my mind uh, of the farm. when I was trying to explain to a friend of mine what electromagnetic radiation is, mm-hmm. I said, it's the man-made stuff. And what I said to him is, your cow doesn't admit electromagnetic radiation. The only <laughs> electromagnetic that comes is from stuff we build and design. And so it's that stuff that you have to be worried about. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking about schools, by the way, was... Mm-hmm. There's a physicist out of um, uh, the UK. He's retired now. His business was generating weaponry for the uh, the UK. His specialty was electromagnetic radiation. And um, in his view, he considers the exposures in school systems uh, weapons being used on children. That's how serious he believes that is. Wow. And I, I'm not sure, I, I don't know if we have enough evidence, but you've probably noticed that ADHD is growing. Um, there's a lot of corollary things happening in the, in the medical community, and uh, there's some evidence, some anecdotal, others scientific, that's talking about that relationship. So, that, so that's serious stuff. We, we know enough now that, that the, the rule in my house is Kids, you don't touch a cell phone or a tablet if it's not in airplane mode. And you yep. don't get right. hours and hours of them. You get a half hour a week with a tablet playing logic games or something. And occasionally, uh, they can talk on speakerphone on a cell phone, but they don't, they're not touching it, 
right? They'll, right. they'll talk to grandma and grandpa or something. Right, exactly. And, and it's uh, it it's weird. People people like here, you know, talk on the phone. I'm like, my kids just don't hold the phone up to their head, and neither do I, because right. it's it's not a good idea. No, and maybe it's less harmful than I think it is. But is it harmless? Absolutely not. Like, there's no evidence that it's harmless. Right. Right. What about the Bluetooth? Like, is, is Bluetooth better? Uh, th- think of it this way. Um, a, a cell connection can go several miles. A Wi-Fi can go several hundred feet. A Bluetooth can go 30 to 50 feet. So there are energy levels to get there. So it's relative. It's much better than a cell tower connection, but it's still an RF signal. And if it's close to you and you can turn it off, do it. Because it's, you know, we we talked about the distance before. The other thing you've heard me mention is duration. It's the distance and duration. Those are the things you need to worry about. Even low energy emissions, like the the 10 uh, milligauss that I mentioned before about the pregnant women, that's low, relatively low energy levels. And you want to try to even avoid those because they are playing with your cells. I, I'm always torn on the show here. I, I use these these blue buds uh, yes. headset things. They're Bluetooth, right? And I, I sit here right. doing. Uh, people listen; they know I, I'm doing uh, what 100, say 52 times two, 110 or so yeah. uh, episodes a year, which is a pretty pretty tough schedule. Like the amount of of time that I'm sitting here under bad lighting. I mean, it's good lighting for the video, but it's not biologically good lighting. Right. And with these, I, I've thought about switching back to wired, but it's really nice to be able to move around on, on the set. Right. So I, I, I'm not sure having wireless things stuck in my ears is a very good idea. But well, my coaching is you should not use them, by the way. Yeah, I know. I, I, I thought about going back to the old way. Maybe I will, but we'll, uh, we'll figure that out. And these are really close to my brain, going right in those little holes where my ear canals are. Right, right. Uh, so Unobstructed. I, yeah, I, I'm taking one for the team right now. Well, we're we're up on the end of the show, and and I want to ask you the question that I've asked uh, every guest on the show, uh, which is that uh, if if someone came to you tomorrow and said, "Look, based on everything you've learned in your life, if I want to perform better as a human being, like I, I want to kick more ass at everything I do, what are the three most important things I need to know?" What would you say? That's an interesting question. It's philosophical by nature. It it is, and you can um, answer it with with hard science or soft science, what, whatever works for you. It's a science is not always um, the, the, the definitive understanding of life. Yep. There's just no doubt about that. So you have to make sure that, that you understand the life um, influenced by many things, including science, but, but make sure you understand it as an individual and person. Uh, the other thing is you got to find ways of contributing. Um, in our case, uh, I almost don't care if I sell a product. Um, I really do think it's important to try to help people understand the the environments they live in. And I tend to have an experience base that helps understand the technical side of that. And and I try to share it with those that don't have a full understanding of those technical details. And and I don't know if I have a third. Nothing else comes up, huh? No, I, I, uh, be kind. There you go. Uh, every night when I put my kids to bed, uh, I, I ask them, amongst other questions, like, what's the one act of kindness you did today? 
Yeah. How did you help someone else? And yeah, yeah th- there's there's great value to that, even though I don't think we have a double blind study that says being kind is a good thing. I right. think we can all agree that it is. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, where can people find out more about Defender Shield and the other stuff that you make? Oh, well, actually, um, um, they can go to our website, um, and um, that's uh, DefenderShield.com. Um, we spend a lot of time helping people understand this space in layman's terms. So we have a learning section that we have spent a lot of time on where we um, share our knowledge for people to understand the subject matter maybe a little bit better. So DefenderShield.com that, uh, is where they can uh, look for more information. And we're also, by the way, uh, releasing a book probably in the next uh, six, uh, th- three months or so. Uh, we have been, um, so many people have asked us about so many complex levels of detail of, of this space that we decided we, we, we probably could help by bringing a book out. So maybe watch for our book a little bit, and it's going to be an e-book. Uh, uh, let me know when it comes out, and I'll make sure that we, we share that on social media and all. And one of the reasons I had you on, and, and people don't have any idea about this, but like I, I didn't uh, charge you or anything like that to, to be on here, and like we're just giving out your URL. There's no like slimy affiliate all that stuff. Right. And sometimes I do affiliate things. Like it helps to pay for the cost of right. all this stuff. Like, like radio shows are actually quite expensive to run if you do it right. right. But uh, I, we just had you on because I like what you're doing and because you have all that info up for free. It, it's the same philosophy I have. It's just 99% of, of the info that I've created is given away freely to help people and you don't have right. to buy any of my stuff. And people who do buy my stuff, they benefit. And if they right. don't, they still benefit. Like, it's a right. good deal. Right? Yeah, that's the way we feel, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that in what you're doing. And that's why you're on the show. And also, well, thank you. what you're talking about, it matters. Like, like, it matters on so many different biological levels. The evidence, right. in, in my mind, not necessarily that we've done a double-blind study that showed causation correlation. Like, my job throughout my career in tech is, here's how stuff works. Right. Right? Like you, you figure out things. You're like, okay, if you want to break a system, well, that's what hackers do. Like we, we, oh, look, there's a weak point, and you stick our finger in there, and then yeah. what do you know? Like magically, you can get in and steal passwords or whatever you want to do. Our bodies aren't that different, and this is one of those things where if you wanted to break the core energy production systems in the body, which have all sorts of weird effects, this is how you would go about it. It's yes. one of several different ways. So I'm, I'm concerned about it, and I'm taking steps in my own life including getting all of my employees a defender pad. Like that's kind of a big thing. I don't know any other companies do that, but in my own environment, turning off my Wi-Fi, putting less of it in the connection we're talking on. It's ethernet, good old fashioned category six cabling. Every room in my house, including the bedrooms, but not the bathrooms has plugins for it. And I've developed uh, the right hack for my iPad and and also you can actually use wired ethernet with an iPad, which isn't supposed to be possible, but it does work. So I, I live this stuff. And it's right. a pleasure to be able to interview you on the show and be able to show people, look, like there are experts who are well-credentialed, who care about this stuff and are sharing this information. So, so thanks, uh, Daniel, for doing what you're doing and keep, keep on fighting the good fight. And when your book comes out, I'll talk about it. Thank you so much, Dave. We really appreciate the chance to chat with you. With you. And, uh, and we loved bringing our products to your team uh, because it was almost like kindred spirits in a sense. Uh, we, we, we got... Uh, an opportunity to meet your team um, maybe a year or so ago, and we, we just my boys who were, were with me and, and your your team were there. They they just just they were kindred spirits. So um, we we did appreciate having a chance to work 
more closely with you in various ways. So thank you so much for offering this time for us. And uh, we, we do enjoy working with you. So thanks. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bulletproof Radio, well, you know what to do. Uh, head on out there and, and look at DefenderShield.com and consider protecting your balls. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> or your ovaries, as the case may be. And uh, in fact, we could just be very scientific and say, protect your gonads. And then we've covered both genders. But here's the deal. It's not just that. The stuff we're talking about matters. It's stuff that you're probably not going to see acknowledged for another maybe 10 years. In, in the past, it would have taken 30 years, 40 years for the, the truth to come out because we relied on journalists and all that. But we did something interesting. We sold all of our media where the journalists are to big companies so that we don't have to worry about them anymore because for the most part, they're not going to talk about this. But now we have social media. We have people like me and thousands of others who are talking about what's happening on the cutting edge. And the net effect of this is really, really amazing because the net effect here is that we actually can cause change to happen faster. And not just technology is changing, but our ability to communicate stuff with each other that matters is changing. And this is why I started doing what I'm doing on Bulletproof. And this is why I think you should check out some of the research on Defender Shield. Check out some of the research on Bulletproof. And while you're at it, don't forget to drink Bulletproof coffee. Get your brain octane, get those ketones going in your brain, because when you do that sort of thing, your ketones make energy in the cells differently than sugar, and that matters. Have an awesome day, and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for watching. Get tons more original info to make it easier to kick more asset life when you sign up with a free newsletter at bulletproofexec.com. Thanks for watching, and stay bulletproof. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.